Everybody, welcome to another installment of Show to V with Mike G, the show of life, the show of doers, the show of Ohio Jackass, MTV Whiskey, and so much more. Today's guest is the Bacardi Whiskey ambassador himself, Mr. Gabe Cartarella. You might know him from Doers, but he has another great collection of whiskeys under his belt, and he travels, as he says, 40 weeks out of the year, preaching the amazing flavors and stories behind these whiskeys. We talk about a lot of different things. He's a very driven guy, very ambitious and he also wants to start a podcast and you know what the way in which we kind of chat back and forth the repartee if you will is quite astonishing for never having met gabe previously in this industry is like that we're a bunch of talkers so without further ado i hope you guys enjoy this chat with gabe cartarella One of the beautiful things about traveling is you get the opportunity to taste some amazing food yeah. and what people can do with certain things like truffle, etc. <laughs> and same thing, you have the opportunity to taste amazing cocktails and see what people can do with those. Right. You know, for me, it's become so experienced that I really just like to see what people are capable of, say, with the whiskeys that I represent or with yeah. whiskey in general. Mostly, most of the time, if you come over to my place, I'm making you an old fashioned. Yeah, old something fashioned simple, way. right? Yeah, yeah, simple. Yeah. Most of it tastes mostly like the booze within, absolutely, you know, without a ton of other stuff. Do you, well, speaking of having these experiences, and you basically over time get to accumulate great experiences. You have many whiskeys you get to try, probably stuff a lot of people don't get to try. You go into Scotland a lot, right? So, how I think people call me pretentious now, not a lot, but every now and again, and I'm I kind of think of it as. Well, it's not that. I'm not being a dick on purpose. I just have had a lot of experiences at this point, and it becomes pretty clear what you like, right? How do you feel about that as you've had great experiences, how that whittles down your perspective? I've been called a dick a lot. <laughs> 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 no, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I think it, there's some amazing opportunities that you have when you do what we do, right? Yeah. Like you, you kind of become this fromers for your friends. I mean, you kind of become Fromer's slash Carmen San Diego. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah. My mom will always think that I just drink for a living and travel the world. Right. My friends kind of lean on me for like, hey, I'm going to Chicago. Or I'm going to Austin. Who can I talk to? Yeah. What can I do? And it's like, bam, 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 go here. Talk to this person. Go drink here. Go eat here. Have this. Make sure you do this. So that's kind of the fun part that folks, I think, sure. tend to lean on for. And then you have the whole whiskey side of the kind of expert side of that world. And mm. The funny thing is when I first started, I'm 35 now, I started uh, with doers at 28. Damn, dude. Um, and it was, almost a, it was almost a struggle to get hired. Yeah. You're 28. You're a kid. How do you expect to go to these trade shows where you have these big right, whiskey right. aficionados and sound and, and have you be believable totally. in, in a sense? And I was like, give me the opportunity. You know what I mean? And, and all I did was homework. You know, yeah. fl- fly me to Scotland. Let me just study under a master blender and really learn everything I can. And that was really kind of the first fun part or my kind of route to being pretentious maybe you could say <laughs> but it really kind of yeah started. it really comes into form for us when we're 28 like <laughs> what do i have to do to become the most pretentious man <laughs> um 
So it really kind of just, that was the goal, yeah. was to learn everything I could and really dive into it. Now today, it really feeds kind of a lot of my passions. You know what I mean? It's meeting new people, it's traveling right. the world, and kind of developing a coffee table book that somebody's going to want to read at the end of my life, more or less. You know, it's, I think that's a really good point. But my dad and I, for a long time, like he wasn't drinking, right? Not because he had a problem with it, he just wasn't particularly interested in it. And we finally now have these conversations. I can count on one, one hand how many times we've had these that we're really bonding over a scotch or a piece of or glass of wine, right? But the question is, like, I asked him, I said, well, you're kind of, it's kind of becoming the end of the road for you. And what do you want people to remember you by? And he's mm-hmm. like, I just want people to, to like, want to hang out with me and say he was a good dude. So, I mean, I if think you think... that's well said. That's, isn't that it? Because mm-hmm. ultimately, talk about a, a table, a coffee table book, talk about experiencing everything you can in the world. You just want to be a good guy, right? Yeah. It's funny because uh, I always think about my nephew when I think about like, what's the story that I'm going to want to tell? And is it going to yeah, be a book yeah. that my nephew is going to want to sit around with his buddies and be like, totally. hey, check out how cool my uncle was. You right. Like, yeah. Like to me, those are the things that I think about when I, when I do the things that I do and why I do them. And it's like, all right, travel can be arduous, but look, it's just, it's a page in your book. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and just go for it. Cause totally you're just, is. it's going to, are people going to want to read on, you know, more or less, but fill it with good content. Totally. Yeah. And it's like one experience at a time. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, yeah. that's what it's all about. I mean, we've been here in Austin all weekend and riding bikes, walking everywhere, chatting with people. You know, everybody here is so damn friendly. It's insane. Like, yeah. I was just at this, um, I had this like, affici- like affinity for everything pistachio flavor. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we were walking down Rainy Street and I was like, oh my God, lavender, pistachio, donuts. And she's oh like, my donuts. gosh. Like, yeah. Whatever. We're fine. We've had tons of donuts already this weekend. You know what I mean? <laughs> and this guy overheard me. And so we're walking down the street. This guy runs up. He's like, here, I've got you one. I'm like, what the this fuck? This is amazing. Really? Like, I wanted to hug the guy. You yeah. know what I mean? And uh, it was a delicious donut, say Liz. But it's uh, those opportunities to meet and be surprised by like how yeah. friendly people can be and how cool people are. It's just kind of what makes it really fun. Here's a little bit of expansion on that kind of concept, that question. Um, given that you were downtown in the midst of what is, and in Texas history, I just found out this morning, was Huge. the largest the largest gathering ever in Texas history, the Women's March on Saturday. Right? Yeah, or it was Friday. One of those marches, there was two. It was one on Friday and then one on Saturday. But so the fact that people are so open in Austin and they're so really ready to accept each other, mm-hmm. when you're traveling around this much and kind of the narrative has changed and it feels like the dynamic of people has changed a bit and being more exclusive instead of inclusive, do you notice that? You're traveling all around the States. Have you noticed kind of like a real palpable shift in how people are treating each other? Sure. Yes, of yeah. course. I think we all kind of feel that. And it is palpable at the same time. But at, also what's great about kind of our industry is that our job is the escape. Yeah. Um, I think that there's the opportunity to kind of leave kind of that world behind when talking to somebody about whiskey or experiencing something relaxing. I mean, whiskey's kind of all about that stuff. Yeah. Oftentimes people do kind of use whiskey for other reasons, you know, sure. to oh, yeah. heal pain, et cetera, things like that. But, you know, the way that I approach the whiskeys is, is really like, it's an opportunity to kind of nurture a great conversation and meeting folks. So mm. I don't feel excluded, especially when uh, I introduce myself at a whiskey tasting and, and folks are there to kind of just leave everything else, learn a little about whiskey. And the way that I approach it is not a class, right. more or less. It's like the way that I do it is a conversation. You'll never see me do it with a PowerPoint. You know, you'll never see me have like a laser pointer at these things either. It's like, hey, you know, it's about meeting great people because whiskey what's amazing about it or any spirit or anything you're drinking you know goes from good to great sure. you're sharing it with really good people oh for sure over yeah. good stories it kind of biases it actually. yeah it just yeah. really kind of works off of each other so if somebody's feeling like you're excluded from it then it's not going to work it's not going to go really well so 
I think one of my strengths as an as an ambassador, maybe as a person, is the ability to kind of chat with folks mm. and and kind of get down on, on any level that they want to go to and really just kind of communicate and you know chat with them. Never and, judge, right? Yeah. Well, no, of course that's, not. You that's know what I mean? And I, I I pride myself on we're from Ohio and um you know we're the people that hold doors for you that let you in when you're driving that yeah. type of folks and, and i think that that's something that we really value and i certainly do as well and i, I kind of that approach i take to no matter what i'm doing so maybe i come off like i'm talking to the person at the register at target like i've known in my whole life right but it's because i'm comfortable but it's still better than the opposite <laughs> right exactly you, you, like I, I, that is a problem you know yeah. i i think and we'll talk about how a bit because i lived in columbus for all Oh, beautiful. That's where my brother was born. Can I say go Bucks right now? Do it, appropriate? man. <laughs> but it's, I think that I'm 37. Well, no, not yet, actually. I'm rounding up. I don't, I'm the first guy to round up my age. This is fucking stupid. I turned 35 last Sunday, and I started to round up like <laughs> <Did> a week before. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be 36. <laughs> to prepare sooner. yourself. Yeah. Man, well, but we come from a different generation. I think we, we both grew up in the Midwest. I think that's fair to call Ohio the Midwest. And we come from a little bit of a different time. Mm-hmm. Opening the door for people is a good thing. I think that it is getting lost. I love doing it. I do too. I just like being nice. You know, I just I enjoy uh, kind of leaving people better than you found them type yeah. mentality. You know, I think it's just uh, there's something about sitting at a bar rather than just ordering a drink just to sit there and drink to kind of like diving into the community that is the bar. Yeah, you know, chatting with the guy that's shucking the oysters next to you over here and asking him how cold his hands are yeah. or like talking to the bartender about like what brought them here, you know, why Austin, those types of things. And then you leave it maybe having had just one drink, yeah. but it's better than just having just one drink. See, this is why you'd be a place. good podcast host. See, and you're talking about being doing podcasts and stuff. This is what it's about. It, that's what I think it should be, right? Well, like, that's just how meeting I cool it, people yeah. and just getting to know them because everybody's got a story to tell it's funny because when i travel too people are like you travel 40 weeks a year what's the best place to go right best what does that mean that doesn't mean anything yeah. you know every, every my answer is always the same it's like no matter where you go if you've got the right person showing you around it's great fucking killer yeah always it's is. killer and yeah. it doesn't matter if it's in columbus ohio which is a great town or a small town called finley where i grew up that you've never heard of in never ohio heard of. <laughs> <laughs> oh, or, i can attest yeah. to never hearing of or it, anywhere man. you know what i mean so there's no such thing as oh that place is terrible when somebody says that to me i'm like okay you've just never really been there before. yeah you know makes sense so and i feel the same way about people i think that the i think that's what this is the kind of attitude we need you know i am an optimist eternally but let's so let's take it back so ohio because there seems to be this big shift you have this great opportunity in your late 20s kind of shift into doers being a man of whiskey traveling the world which is a great chapter which you're still kind of doing while you're in town in fact but ohio itself how was it growing up in ohio i only lived there a few years when i was in my kind of early years but how was sure. it for you so i i was born in columbus ohio, okay probably and yeah. i was raised there till about seven and uh, split time between like Buffalo, where my father lived, yeah. and uh, in Ohio, in Columbus, Ohio. Did they the split when before you were born? Or just before I was born, oh, okay, that cool. split happened. So you don't know any different then. You just kinda, yeah, you know what I mean? he was, yeah. was kind of just raised that way. Um, and then when my mother uh, remarried, we moved up to Finley, where my stepfather took a job at a hospital there, his position. Mm-hmm. And that's where I spent most of my youth from seven, you know, until I went away to school at Ohio. State. Oh wow, okay. So. Um, from that point on, you know, raising being raised in Finley, it's an athlete's town. You yeah. know what I mean? I was What's a wrestler. the main sport? Oh, wrestling. Okay. I was a wrestler and a soccer player. You know, football was quite big. You know, I graduated with Ben Roethlisberger, which... Oh, no kidding. Hear me say that. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of like our... When I was in high school, that was like the big... The big news was that the football team was, yeah. was really good. I was an okay soccer player. You know, I was, How were you as a student? 
as a student, I was good. You know, yeah. I was distracted. You know, certainly, like, I, I felt, like, the small town pressure. You know what sure. I mean? Like, I was ready to, like, go. And I was friends with, a, you know, good, a good friend of mine, Alex. His big brother, Nick, was throwing, like, these big raves in Cleveland while him and I were, like, 16 through 18. Yeah. We really got to look to Nick for, like, what was cool and what was what was happening. And he was just so such a, like, entrepreneurial spirit that Alex and I were really motivated by that. And, uh, you know, it really kind of spurred, like, our drive to, like, all right, let's go. Yeah. Let's let's just hurry do up. Do something bigger just, than this. Let's go right? do something big. Yeah. And that was constantly on our mind, like, always on our mind. Like, what's Nick doing? We'd go hang out with Nick for the weekend. We'd come back super inspired. And, Roughly how, how much older was he at that point? So Nick's five years old. Okay, he's 21, but, 22. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was, but he was super successful. You know, he found a recipe that worked in Cleveland throwing these big raves when raves were cool at mm. first in, in kind of the late 90s and the early part. Moby days, man. Massive, yeah. right? And, and he would throw these big things, and, and eventually what he started to do is he had, like, all these, these talents start to come and host. So he had, like, Run DMC. Oh, host. shit. He, you know, he always had two live crew playing there. If you remember the two live crew days, <laughs> yeah. right? I won't uh, cite any of the lyrics. No, they're uh, good. They're great, insightful lyrics about very, the human condition. Right, That's yeah, like... yeah, very relaxing zen <laughs> music. Um, and then it kind of snowballed into him, like, having, like, the guys from Jackass come host him. No shit. Like that. And... I was still, you know, I was after high school, he was still doing these things and he really gave me some big opportunities following that. Did you end up working for him? I did, yeah. What capacity? He hired me. So I was, uh, after school, I went and I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to do real estate. You know, like, yeah, I didn't know what the yeah. hell I wanted to do. So uh, school being high school or college? After college. Yes. Yeah. So Ohio like, State, right? Yep. Yeah. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to go do 10 hours a day of this course for two weeks and then just go start the real estate game a little bit and yeah. see what I can do. But while I was doing that, just because I, you know, it was typical college, didn't know what the hell I wanted to do afterwards. And while on the last day of the class, Nick calls. He's like, he's like, hey man, I was like, what are you, what are you doing? And I was like, I don't know. I guess I'm gonna start selling some homes. You know? Yeah. He's like, no, you're not. He's like, you're gonna tour the jackass guys. And, oh, and I was shit. like, holy crap. <laughs> you know, holy crap, I'm like twenty two. Yeah. You know? And I was like, That was like the heyday for them too. Heyday. Yeah. Yeah. Massive. Yeah. So he's like, You're gonna tour manage for eight weeks. Tour manage them. Yeah. Oh fuck. Yeah. So. yeah tour manage Stevo. Not Stevo. Oh, thank well, God. so okay. they had talent hop on and off on this particular one. This first particular tour I did was called the Don Vito Back to School Tour. Okay. Okay. And you remember Don Vito? I do, right? yeah. The uncle is uh yo everywhere he went. I mean, yeah. this guy he'd either choke you if you were a guy, if you were a girl, it'd be inappropriate. You know. So my job is to make sure that he's you know got to his appearances on time. We got paid. He got the case of Budweisers on the bus beforehand. Yeah. No lawsuits would happen to make sure that we were all <laughs> damage kinda, control, man. It's I was just damage like, control. I'm yeah, babysitter. Let's be honest. Right? A, for big. sure. I mean, well, that's what tour managers are. Right. All those punk for fans, sure. dude. I mean, they, that's all they do is just keep them out of trouble. Don't start a fucking fight, please. That's just it. Don't do it. And I wish I could say that none of that happened. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it's, uh, it, it certainly did. And, and as a 22-year-old, 23-year-old at the time, it was an experience of a lifetime. And it really mm-hmm. kind of opened my eyes to the, to the opportunity that you could get paid to travel the world and enjoy totally. yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, because when I was in school and after school, I, you know, I was really, you know, growing up in Ohio, it's like there's some obvious routes, you know, and the obvious route that folks did where I grew up was you marry your high school sweetheart sure. after college, you get a stable job, and then you start having kids and you buy your cookie cutter home on a cul de sac. You right. know, that's really what it felt like growing up. And I, and I was just like, I knew that after Nick inspired that's time, the wonderlust. Yeah, like, yeah. no, uh uh-uh. uh. And then what this tour did is like, okay, this is the goal. What, what, so I'm trying to think how how far did that diverge from what you didn't know you were doing, but what you studied in college? What were you completely? Would, would you would you well get a business management? Oh, well, that still helps yeah, though, right? Still helps, yeah. right? Like the schooling obviously helps. I mean, 
nothing will compare to what I've learned, you know, tour managing on and all those road. other things and yeah. being on the road and oh. really kind of figuring out kind of the street smarts that you need to be somebody that you know eventually gets paid to travel the world to do yeah. that. But that was really what inspired me to do it because, you know, obviously at the time I still didn't know that you could travel the world and talk about whiskey. And at the time I wasn't really passionate about whiskey. You know, we were drinking all kinds of Jack Daniels everywhere. Right, right? Right. <laughs> but, but that means to an end, not to enjoy it, right? Exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. You know, and, and part of it though was like a, a sponsorship management as well. Mm. And there's a large student travel agency that would sponsor it and we'd give away a spring break trip at every one of these appearances that we would do with these jackass talent. Oh, guys. nice, okay. And uh, we'd give away these spring breaks and the spring break would take you to like Cancun or Puerto Vallarta. So the tour went really well. It was an eight-week tour. It was really successful. Actually, I'm really proud to say I was only 30 cents over budget, which is that's, like pretty That's amazing. Incredible. As yeah, a 22-year-old? Like, yeah, my first tour, that's I was 30 insane. cents off. They're like, there's got to be a mistake. I was like, no, man, I'm that good. <laughs> you know, like, so it was an amazing experience, you know. Um, and they actually, kind of just from that point, the resume just started to explode. Yeah. Because MTV was the ones that kind of sponsored the talent that would come down to like these part of our artists, these Cancuns, et cetera. And they're like, hey, listen, Basically, what they're trying to tell me is like, hey, we're terrified of the jackass guys. Yeah. Will you please come live in Puerto Vallarta and just take care of them? Oh, jeez. So they moved me to Puerto Vallarta, and I lived in Mexico, and I would just be like the on-site talent manager. How long were you out there? On TV. Uh, it was about six months. Damn. I was there. And you made it out alive, seemingly. There were some scary moments. <laughs> Dude, There's I can't imagine. Don Vito thinking taxi drivers took too much money from him, choking oh. him, having to karate chop his arms off of him. God, like, damn. he's because he, if I recall, he's a, he's ma- a massive big, gentleman. Yeah, big guy. Yeah, yeah, big guy. But the stories are endless. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I wasn't a typical like employee there. Really, my job is to keep these guys out of trouble and make sure they got to their appearances on time. What? So, is there any tip? Now, we don't have to use a name, but I'm just curious, like, if there's any strange tips that worked to subdue some of these guys. Oh, man. I mean, the first word I want to say is drugs. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, You know, it's all about the relationship. And I think that's what that's what really worked for me and for MTV at the time is that they knew that I had the the trust of these guys because it took time to build that, honestly. You know what I mean? These guys don't let anybody in. Nobody does. You know what I mean? So. It took time to kind of build that that the rapport with these guys and, mm. and really ultimately have friendships for for MTV to realize that I'd be valuable that I could manage the relationship that they had with the talent and yeah. I had as friends of these guys because they knew as friends that I wouldn't steer them wrong right. I'd take care of them and MTV knew that I was capable of getting them where they you're needed a good middleman for them I was I mean, a good middleman for them you know? really and for, you, for me at that age it was just like oh, a crazy were you skating and and BMXing at all no too? no, no. I, didn't I, I mean I tried it. all the time but yeah. I just never had it you know it wasn't for me yeah me either well the, it kind of interesting I think about this entrepreneurial spirit right which I think is a really big piece of a lot of people in the industry and a lot of people in general but I, I know it seems like Nick served as a pretty good example and kind of like someone to look up to, but where do you feel like the genesis of this spirit came from? Did you Was your stepfather like that? Was he was trying to create new ideas, start new businesses and stuff? Well, my, my stepfather is a physician, yeah. um, and I, he inspired me in an interesting way. Um, passion, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. He incredibly passionate about being a physician. Right? Yeah. And what I mean by that is is not the lifestyle that it created for him, just his passion for medicine yeah. and helping people. You know, a general surgeon, their hours are outrageous. Totally. You know, and I would see him come home at five from doing rounds or whatever, help me with my homework or my sister with homework, get his beeper go off at eight, come home at four, 
do it again at seven in the morning. Yeah. And then sometimes that'd be seven days in a row, or sometimes he would, you know, have to work through the weekends. And it was just like his, it consumed him. You know what I mean? It really was his lifestyle. And so that was the first time I really discovered that, oh, your career could be actually a lifestyle, or it should be almost. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and that motivated me and kind of like find something that you'd be passionate about. That's because amazing. for me, I don't think I'd be good at it. If you didn't I care, how are you supposed to be disingenuous? I, exactly. Like that. That's yeah. kind of was the, the entrepreneurial spirit that he right. gave me in that sense. Like, you know, just do something that you love. You know, I don't think he ever actually said that to me. You know, make sure whatever you do, you love. But yeah. I could tell that's what he was doing. Well, being in yeah. the example is even better. Exactly. You right, know, exactly. It's like so. your dad just doing something, <clears throat> that, that rubs off on you far more. Yeah, and I honestly, like, my little brother, he's, like, the smartest person I've ever met in my entire life. Wow. Like, this guy's about to graduate top of his med school. He's about to go off to, you know, his residency. Mm. I, I, don't, I don't have that level of intelligence that he has in that way. Right. But I wanted to be, you know, something bigger. You know what I mean? I wanted to take what I think I would be good at. And I realized early on that my, I guess, personal skills, like my interpersonal like I was going to say, he can't charm a room like you, can he? I think maybe my little brother could. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, really? I don't, I don't know. If, Shit. I don't know if my stepdad could. He, yeah, he's got yeah. it all. He's, he's kind of got it all. Damn it. But he... uh but that was what I was really good at. That's where I excelled at. So I knew that I could take that. And I went on a trip to Germany. And I, after having gone on this trip to Germany, I was like, okay, get it. This is what I want to do. And then having done that stuff with Jackass, I was like, traveling, talking to folks, that's it. Yeah. You know what I mean? That was it. And I got lucky eventually. And uh, those skills kind of translated to, um, they got in the ear of the folks at Jack Daniels. So, so tell me, when you talk about big, brands like that so mtv is a massive brand but it's connected to other massive brands right and then it just running right parallel to it are food brands and booze brands so was your name kind of on a short list to transition into that industry or was it a particular instance like you were hanging out with somebody and then it that opportunity opened up so i'm different in the sense i, I was never behind the stick you yeah know? like i never was a bartender i mean i was and i lived in one summer in college i decided just to pack my car up and go down to hilton head and see if i could find a job right and i was the guy that played jack johnson covers on the acoustic guitar <laughs> at the bar and, <laughs> and bartended you know but i was yeah. just making like all right no wonder you, know, you love austin yeah it's like one of those dudes around every corner here. If you don't love austin then we can't hang out, <laughs> honestly but so um what was I saying? Where was I going? Well, so the shift to, I oh, guess, right. Jack Daniels. Yeah, so right? I never was a bartender or anything like that. And I just knew that I had a really nice base of my resume. But at the same time, I was still kind of like babysitting. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was I was getting tased in my sleep by jackass guys in Mexico. And I knew, <laughs> <laughs> all right, I need to leave this while the going's good. Because yeah. I, I can't just keep doing your, it. Your body is like at risk. I think. <laughs> in so many ways. Yeah. In so many ways. Um, so, I, you know, I was like, all right, where else do I need to build you know, as kind of the ultimate road warrior. And a lot of that kind of stemmed back to, okay, I need to start packaging, you know, what brands want while on the road. You know, I need to start okay. moving into like taking what the brand's ethos are uh -huh. and applying that to something creative and experiential. Oh, and I so see, I started yeah. to work for companies. Uh, actually, one of the first companies I worked for was Smucker's Peanut Butter and Jelly, which is <laughs> such a random switch. But having it in one jar... That thing's amazing. Dude, those Uncrustable sandwiches. It's insane. I like OD'd on those things. Once. You think that innovation doesn't exist and then you see things like that. Unbelievable. Tastes Unbelievable. Like mom it does. Me. That's amazing. <laughs> I expect a case of Uncrustables should this go out. <laughs> we'll make, we will absolutely make that happen. <laughs> um, but so I, what I would do is I'd package like tours for, for these types of things. And this actually, uh, one of the tours is like, I'll go on it. Yeah. You know, I'll help you package it and I'll go and on it. And you manage it. Because I want, I want the experience. So... 
And one of the key elements of this was we would we'd film kids taking their first bite of these peanut butter and jelly sandwiches uh-huh. and a reaction, best reaction would be like an iPod or a scholarship even. Sure, sure. So it was so fun. We Actually, one of the most exciting parts of it, we'd go to like all the little festivals all across America, like the Apple Fest, like the Bacon Fest, the Maple mm-hmm. Syrup Festival, the Cherry Festival, and all these little adorable towns, you know, across America for eight weeks and film these kids. And we'd be like, kind of like carnies, honestly. We'd yeah. literally be parked next to the world's smallest You're lady. You're living the tour so lifestyle, dude. so fun. Yeah. And to walk through, I'll tell you, what, one of the most, like if you ever get the opportunity or you ever feel like this is something you should do, go to like a carnival or um, a, just a fair, like right. a, a local yeah. fair at a at a fairground before they open oh, it's geez. one of the most interesting experiences you'll ever have walking through listening to the guys you know chat like start their best like heckle like right, practicing right. they're heckling on you as you're walking by and just hearing just talk to one of them for 10 minutes and you'll hear an incredible story That's so amazing that was a really amazing experience you know and it was just really as a as a means to kind of evolve what i do professionally and i knew what i did professionally was you know traveling and packaging and this this tour was incredibly successful Man. and uh from that point on, it just snowballed to working with other brands and eventually started working, doing that for a whiskey company. Because you're basically building a portfolio. Yeah. It's like, well, I can write a song in R&B. I can write a song. I can write a metal song. I can write a ska song. And so you're really building like this amazing... <laughs> my my first the... AOL name was Ska Stud. Oh, that's, that's pretty good. <laughs> Got a real big fish was like, they're in town, mm. I think, this next couple weeks or something. Loved them. Don't get me started. Nah, I do, yeah. Boss Jones right now. Oh, dude, the Boss Yeah. Yeah, I don't even... Okay. I got punched at a couple of those shows, but still fun <laughs> Who memory. Didn't? Who didn't get punched? But it seems like a really amazing compilation of projects that make you like this perfect candidate for stuff. And I think a lot of people don't look at their careers that way. They, th- they think, well, I'll just take what comes to me instead of making each of the pieces happen. So Jack Daniels was your first foray into booze then? Well, apart from drinking it, right? Well, sure, yeah. of course. I, mean, yeah. I, I enjoyed I enjoyed drinking whiskey. Um, was I aficionado at the time? No. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I didn't I didn't necessarily appreciate what I learned to appreciate today mm. about whiskey, which is authenticity and the stories attached to it and origins and terroir, all that stuff, right? right. Um, and the goal of, of what this project was, was to you know, kind of deliver the story of their brand and be an ambassador before there really was a term for an ambassador. Right, really. right, right. It just didn't exist. What year are we really. talking, roughly? What was this? So this would have been, I'm, I think, around like 2004. Oh, shit. Yeah, totally different world. No, not 2004. This would have been like 2005, I guess. 2005. Yeah. I, I, right around. Yeah, you're right, right though. The I'm word ambassador is like a fancified term. Yeah, for it, it, did, it, it was really somebody that passed out t-shirts, I think, at the time. Right. It wasn't somebody <laughs> yeah. that was like, oh, whiskey expert. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, but basically, they had like a Madonna whiskey bus that was like a big tour bus that would travel all over the co- the coast. And I managed this thing on the West Coast, mm. so I would travel this thing all over California, and it would open up, and we'd talk about the story and the liquid, et cetera. So I was an ambassador, yeah, more or less for that. Uh, the program was really successful. Went over to the East Coast, although I was like, listen, I like California too much. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna stay here. And actually, from that point on, I, I leaned back on Nick. I'm like, Nick, what else you got shaking? You know, at yeah. this point. Nick's producing TV shows. He's got to be real connected in the entertainment industry. He is super. Point, right? Yeah, he still is. He's, he's, he's a Hollywood hustler. This That's guy, incredible. You know I mean, he's awesome. So Nick, what are you up to? He's like, well, I'm, I'm managing this band called Trouble Andrew. And Trevor Andrew, he's like the youngest signed snowboarder under Burton. Oh, wow. Uh, he's from Nova Scotia. He starts this band called Trouble Andrew. And today he's actually married to Santi Gold. Oh, shit. Uh, okay. Yeah, and their, their son, Rad, they just had a couple of years She's ago. from Philly, right? Yeah. 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 Yep. yeah. Sorry, um, I just random thought, but. So he's like, I got on a tour. Santi and Trouble are going on tour. Why don't you manage it? Oh, that's cool. So I went on the road with these guys. And while I'm on the road, 
you know, in, in this tour bus, you know, bandana. Actually, I was driving through Texas. I was driving through Texas and mm. my phone rings and it was tours. And they said, Gabe, somebody from Jack Daniels recommended you. Uh, how'd you like to travel the world and talk about our whiskey for a living? Dude, that's the grown up gig. I was like, yeah, oh. yeah. well, that's what it felt like. Yeah. Honestly, I was like, okay, this is not just Jack Daniels anymore, right? Yeah. Uh, which has its place. But at sure, the time, the place for Jack Daniels was like, you know, kind of the more party vibe, you know, mm-hmm. passing out samples. It wasn't really kind of getting people to fall in love with the story. It was getting people to just drink the liquid. Yeah. And this was the opportunity to kind of take that more mature route and to say, okay, this is aficionado level. And for me, the career opportunity was A, see the world, mm. and B, take what I know about whiskey and turn it into a career um, and really become passionate about it, if I could. Yeah. You know, I didn't know if I could at the point. Or at that point, but I was like, this sounds like an adventure that I'm worth that that would be worth going on. Well, it really seems like the evolution of your career, yeah. right? So you're going from creating an experience that's a little more fast paced, maybe LA ish, not to use that derogatively, but from that to creating a really robust connection to culture and terror. Yeah, exactly. Because right? that's like the that's the arty evolution <clears throat> of one's career, where you can start talking about things that are it's a product, it is, it's in a bottle, right? But taking you back to a place in time. That's got to be like almost like academic and really cerebral for you. It's I, I'm I'm lucky. Yeah, I actually talk about products that I truly believe in. You know what I mean? As almost sometimes as if I'm like Tommy Dewar descendant. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or just reincarnated a bit. I mean, it would be nice if I was the one making the liquid. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But at the same time, I really nurture the story in which I share. There's a big responsibility in that, uh, and I'm lucky. You know, I'm not regurgitating something that we came up with in the marketing right. department. Well, I don't think you could, it seems like you would only do things that feel genuinely a connection with. For sure. So, which brings about, for many of us, doers is a little bit easier because it's not like the four-way grant where it's really, really incredibly peaty, but what was maybe that moment for you where you really finally got got it? You got doers. You're like, oh, it all makes sense now. It, it so... There's, there's not anything bad I could ever say about our liquid, sure, sure. right? I, I, I mean, obviously, no, I, I don't think there's such a thing as bad whiskey. It's just if you like it, you like it. Totally, right. And, and my approach is, is really that there's no wrong way to drink it. If you like what you like, you add it with coconut water. You add green tea. I don't care how you drink it. Yeah. If you like it and, it, and, it, and it, it fuels your conversations, it helps you make friends, like all these other things, and, then that's mm-hmm. beautiful. That's kind of what the liquid's all about. The whiskey we make is approachable. It's balanced. We yeah. do take some long-winded ways, setting some standards, pioneering ways of making whiskey. All of that, right? That's important sure. when it comes to selling your whiskey and getting people to trial it, recommend it. But for me, what I fell in love with when talking about, when learning about this whiskey, was that every like just the road that I can take to learn it. On the way here, we're talking about this giant neon sign that Tommy Dewar commissioned mm-hmm. in on the Thames River in London. And it's all and then there's articles, black and white articles that you can read. There's there's just so much stuff. Yeah. You know, if you sat History. down Yeah, if you sat down with our archivist Jackie Sargent in Scotland, uh, in Glasgow, and you looked at some of this stuff, that's what makes that whiskey incredible. You know, when people talk about doers, they're always like, Oh, that's whiskey my grandfather drank. Yeah. Hell yeah, it's whiskey your yeah. grandfather drank. And to me, like when you drink Dewar's White Label, you're drinking much more than just whiskey in a bottle. You're perhaps drinking something that your grandfather drank. Yeah, oh yeah. And that's awesome. You know, that's authenticity. So and and for me, that's kind of like to kind of back to what you're saying is yeah. that's kind of where that kind of tipping point for me was that I realized where Dewar's was a brand for me. Yeah. Was that is the fact that I can go be a raconteur rather than whiskey ambassador. I like you know? that. Yeah. yeah. It's more nuanced. It's more vivid. 
like trick, right? cooler for me. It's yeah. just it's just more real for me. It's like my job is to go tell a cool story over great whiskey. Uh, That's my job. You know what I mean? That really is my job. And I think that especially today, you know, when you're talking to trade, you know, you're talking to bar staff. I think they also appreciate that. I think so too. And I think it's funny too. Once you get acclimated to jackass dudes, mm-hmm. your barrier and your like ability to feel pain and challenge has to be heightened so you have to have something that is more rich and more challenging and more vivid you know i do you think that that's kind of so let me put it this way so you've got this blend of entrepreneurialism which is already the insatiability to find the next thing that's going to make you feel like you're accomplishing something yeah then you got the extreme and there's air quotes nature of the jackass guys so you're living a very fast and very very challenging lifestyle so doers has to be a big fucking thing for sure. To take on. Like yeah, you're so this gonna this feels it. good. This feels almost like kind of like a therapy session. <laughs> this, this feels pretty good to get this stuff off my chest. <laughs> well, I hope so, man. It's great to hear that. <laughs> um, um, yeah, there's a lot of responsibility yeah. with Doers, obviously. I mean, Doers is an important brand. You know what I mean? You're talking about over 200 oh, countries totally, worldwide. Yeah. You're talking about the most awarded whiskey in the world. You're, it's an important brand to represent. So I love that, that yeah. challenge. You know what I mean? And we're constantly evolving. You know, I mean, with a brand that big, you constantly have to evolve how you approach, who your target is, like all these things. And mm-hmm. at the moment, we're actually really dialed in to, to what I love yeah. and its experiences. You know, when we were talking about like, how, how do we share advocacy? How do, how do we do that? And it's, listen, like it, you had your first wave of ambassadorship or advocacy was really, you know, years ago was going into bars or you know, going into stores and like, let me train you yeah. on whiskey. Right, and it's like we'll talk about rye whiskeys, and we'll talk about all American whiskey. We'll talk about all Japanese, all Scotch. You know, kind of a one hundred level. Then it got to 200, 300 level. There's not many bartenders you talk to that don't know distillation oh, pretty it's well. Amazing, right? how yeah. much knowledge. Some about. more than me, I would probably admit. You know, and yeah. uh, I love learning everything I can about production and things like that. But uh, the kind of light bulb moment for me was look, these bar bartenders are interesting folks. You know, like these these folks like to do things outside of bartending. Yeah. Everybody likes a good story. Everybody likes experiences, life experiences, something memorable, pages in their book, as we were talking about. Yeah, yeah. Let's go give them pages in their book. You know, so experience things with doers. And one of the unique things that we did was we came up with like lock doer is what we call it. Mm-hmm. And it's really kind of our... Oh, lock, like L-O-C-H? L-O-C-H. Yeah, yeah. Right, okay. yeah. So it was kind of like, let's take people outside of their element. What we did is we took like 12 bartenders from New York and we went to the Finger Lakes just outside Ithaca let's just hang for a couple of days let's go hiking let's taste some whiskey let's sit by the fire let's play the guitar let's learn some skills like we had a chef come in teach us how to make um ravioli there you know what i mean we had a we had a in chicago we had a uh, fishmonger come out and teach us how to clean fish and then they cooked the fish and we would hike and there was archery throwing so but these experiences kind of ultimately what it led to is when they see a bottle next time on their back bar it doesn't necessarily just write them of the whiskey the way it tastes uh, the distillation differences. It reminds them of the time they had with us. And for me, that's what it's about. It's amazing. That's what it's about. So we've been giving folks. And for me, it's kind of personally, it's pretty nice as well. You know, I get to go camping. I get to go. Well, yeah, there's a benefit yeah, to you. There's some course. super benefits. But it's, I mean, it's symbolic. You're creating the symbolism. You yeah, know? Exactly. But it, But it, not an arbitrary one, but it's like kind of a subjective one, which is really what's important. Because okay. so, so here's an interesting thing. We talk about the brand piece. One, everybody wants to feel like they're the only ones that found out about this thing. So that's great that you're creating these individual experiences because people want discovery, mm-hmm. right? But also, I imagine you've probably had to change your pitch, your tone, your um, embodiment, 
your how about this your your online persona as an ambassador so it seems like you started in 2011 right we talked about this a little bit before it was recording mm-hmm. and then 2015 there was kind of a shift so was there a conversation that doers is like all right you're a funny fuck we get it <laughs> you're very observant and i want you to write a travel blog but that's your thing and then you got to change the twitter piece to more yeah brand centric was I that mean, a hard conversation out like what like kind of literary people watching you know what i mean I know, like yeah, more yeah. than that like people watching on pen and paper you know is really kind of what can i, I give you props for one thing i thought was really funny and i'm gonna use this so i'm just <laughs> telling you you said Next time you're on Instagram and there are four girls taking a picture of themselves, say, you three look great. (laughs) (laughs) And then one just, the amount of fists being thrown. (laughs) Yeah. I just want to see that happen. So anyway, sorry, but how was that hard shift? What it maybe feels like. Yeah, I I, honestly, like, I'm not sure. I mean, dare I say, I'm not sure it was a successful one. You Mm -hmm. know, I think what what happens is you lose a bit of what people read, why they want to read that stuff. You don't... And I think um, there's a balance there, right? There's a balance to your corporate site, mm-hmm. which I would say should have more of your wit and wisdom than it should have your, oh, here's a glass of Dewar's whiskey at this bar. Here's a glass of Dewar's whiskey at this bar. Right. Um, I think, I mean, there's obviously a flood of content these days in there, you know what I mean? And uh, I'd like to bring some more of that sense of humor to life. I think people like that. I think they appreciate so the real people behind big brands, you know? It's and I think that we do that. Um, I certainly will never, I, I, I think it was a compromise that I made, uh, on my Twitter account and now I don't tweet at all, honestly. And it's a compromise that I won't make on my Instagram account because it's one that I want to at least still feel like me. Like if you look at my Instagram story now, like I don't know, my, my hobby is taking emojis and putting on like, I don't know, a monkey face and place of <laughs> somebody else's face while they're sitting at the airport. <laughs> I don't know. Just like but that's whatever entertains stuff. me I mean, at the same time. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's like, come on, let me be goofy. You, you got to be I mean? cheeky. Like, like the Brits understand this. Yeah. Right. We don't, we just get offended in the States. It's just yeah. this weird kind of disparate experience. But then you got to think about who's drinking it. So branding is constantly evolving, at least in terms of the challenges of that. I mean, do you appreciate that? Do you enjoy that? Trying to figure those things out? I think I think the best branding is when it doesn't feel like branding at all. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's something that we we do well these days. Mm. Um, I think you know whenever I see like a picture of a, just a couple of hands at a party holding a glasses together and touching them, it's like I don't I don't get that. Like I don't. Yeah. What do people think when they see that? They just like God, I don't want this. Right. You know I don't want a magazine. Ad. You're actually like paying against your budget in marketing in a sense, right? Mm-hmm. Like for every dollar you put in to force somebody to like something. You're actually putting two dollars in to someone to not like it, right? You know, so you gotta really have a good experience. Yeah, and I, so there's it's interesting because I don't want to be going around taking a bunch of selfies. Sure, you know what I mean. Well, it's but not about you, right? It's not about me. It's right? about this, your yeah. mind, your perspective. But I mean, who wants to see me? Who wants to see you drink? No one gives a shit. It, what we exactly, do. Yeah. and and at the same time, they're like, there's some experiences that I want to capture. Yeah, you know. And I think that we do a good job of that as a company. Is that's kind of today what we understand. We've got. So I'm not the only ambassador. Right, we've got for for Goose, we've got Julian, who's mm-hmm. an incredible um, ambassador for Grey Goose. We've got Manny. If you've never met Manny Hinosa, oh, I haven't met Manny. This guy, Killer. you need to podcast this guy yeah. because he he's incredible, man. Who represents our tequilas, casadores, mm. um, and then we've got you know our rum ambassadors, et cetera, our gin ambassadors. So, and then we've got our portfolio team, uh, which you've met, Dwayne. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, I've not. I've I've 
been brushed by Dwayne. Well, you chatted with him on the phone a little bit, maybe, I'm guessing. So. No, oh, but, really. but I will. I absolutely He's will. another one. So everybody that, well, I guess what I'm getting at is everybody in our ambassador team is an individual that is passionate yeah. in the spirits industry for their reasons. Good and crew. They're all podcastable, if you will. <laughs> they all have good content. That well, I may take a note here. <laughs> Bacardi is podcastable. Let's yeah, there you go. <laughs> we all have our own good stories, and we all have, whether it be through Instagram, whether it be through Twitter. And I think yeah. today the way that Bacardi brings them to life is, is really kind of entrusting our lifestyles mm. and our kind of personalities to show. So I think that we lost a little bit of that via my Twitter when my twi- Twitter changed from, okay, what's inside Gabe's head? Yeah. And it kind of became too much what is. In his glass. Yeah, what is in his glass? Well said. Uh, today, that's changed. Mm. And I hope that that starts to come through a little bit better for us. Well, so let's talk about the whiskey just a bit here. Obviously, when you talk about the education factor, bartenders know a shit ton about whiskey. They do. Distillation, aging. It's an age of enlightenment in terms of data because you can get access to anything you want. So for you, these, this portfolio of whiskeys that you have, and this is a question I've been asking people that have like a bunch of really cool things, really cool marks. For you, what's the sleeper? What's the one that maybe people don't give a lot of credit to, but is absolutely astonishing juice? That's so a part of me, and I don't want this to come off like cliche, but no, I don't want to say all because the truth is, is white label is our bread and butter mm-hmm. for the company. And yeah. it also is what's top of mind for consumers. Mm-hmm. Folks that drink Dewar's, they always know Dewar's white label, but they always think just Dewar's white label. Right, right, right. So the liquid to lips trial for our company, while Dewar's 12 is a growing brand, uh, is still, in my opinion, a little bit low and underrated. Mm. I mean, underrated by consumers. I mean, Dewar's is the most awarded whiskey in the world, and these are blind tastings, you know? So obviously, judges think our whiskeys are great. Right. But if, honestly, if you ask any ambassador, anybody that loves spirits, we would probably want to remove all labels if we could in marketing and advertising and just say, just try it. Yeah. You know, just try it. Forget your preconceived notion about this whiskey. Um, you know, I always tell folks if I was stranded on an island and I had to pick one, it would be Dewar's 18. 18. But that's like picking your favorite kid. I because, know, it's tough. You know, it's, it's not just Dewar's White Label 12, 15, 18, and Signature anymore. It's a whole portfolio of single malts now, too, which is a lot of fun for me. As my There's friend. one I had just recently, and I can't remember. Craig, Craig Try it. Yeah. I can. <laughs> <laughs> the one that everybody pronounces uh, incorrectly. Craig, I, can't, I do, but I don't even want to try it. Like, But that's what I kind of love about that whiskey is like, Nobody knows how to pronounce it, and, and the whiskey kind of story itself is kind of stubborn. You yeah. Know? But it's Kregelicky. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, I would never get that. Yeah, no. We would have been say, here 20 minutes going back and forth, straightening it out. It's like, it's, well, for me, is the last name Cartarella. Uh-huh. I feel like when teaching people about this whiskey, it's like I'm on the phone with customer support. They're like, card, card, card. I'm like, Cartarella, <laughs> let's move on. You know what I mean? But it's That's pre- not the important part. <laughs> yeah. I've got, we're calling for it's a that reason. I need to change this flight. That's All right. right yeah. Call me Cinderella, whatever you need to call me. Let's just get through this. But. Uh, Kregelicky. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that whiskey, we've just launched a 17 year here in the States too. Uh, the 23 year just won best to show at San Francisco Wine and Spirits Awards. But we're making the whiskey right. Yeah. Non chill filter, no caramel coloring added to it. We use worm tub condensers. This whiskey's kind of super esoteric and not mm-hmm. like many whiskeys from Speyside. And the stories of them each are unique, which I really like too. Yeah. You know, you're talking, say, for Brackla, which is one of our single malts. That whiskey's built on the same property that Shakespeare wrote about the Codor Castle, which is written about Macbeth. Yeah. Um, and it's built in 1812. First whiskey to receive a world warrant. And then you have Aberfeldy, which is built by the Dewar family, which kind of is the home of our spiritual, kind of our epicenter of what Dewar's believes in in our history and all this authenticity. Yeah. Uh, you know, from Dever into Altmore, all these whiskeys kind of have their, their own unique story. It's amazing. So, it's so fun in that regard. Dude, I mean, well, it's 
Sure as hell can be fun. You've got this massive collection of stories of tales of Exactly. That's really the, what I have. Yeah. I've got a collection of great stories with a collection of good whiskey to go with each of them. I and know. that's that's amazing, you know. It's Shakespearean in itself, if mm. you think about it, right? I appreciate that. Yeah, well <laughs> don't, it's not that great. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's it's a lot of fun. I mean, yeah. like I said, I mean it really is the opportunity to get some really unique liquid in folks' hands. So you know, if there's one, if there's you know a number of these whiskeys, I think, and what I mean by when I say all of them, it's just these whiskeys are still a bit undiscovered. No, I get it, right? Like which uh, which Beatles albums are favorite? Well, fuck. I mean, I can't tell you. Yeah, it's just how how am I feeling? Right? Exactly. It's just so. I mean, you heard all my playlists. You know, you listen to some, yeah. of some of them you like, some of you don't. Totally. To me, it kind of just depends on your mood. Like I oftentimes like sad music, which to me is kind of like yoga for the ears. Absolutely. Well, you know, that, <laughs> shit, like, that's, that's a brilliant way to put it. Sometimes I like, you know, kind of like kind of more fast pump me up. Like yeah. I can't stop listening to this new Kid Cudi album. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like I think it's really good. So if I'm driving, which is very rare, I like to listen to that. You know, so it just depends. Walking through airports, pff, that's a whole different ball game. Yeah. You know? It is different place, different. Place. Yeah, so that's the way whiskey is, you know. And, and lucky for us, we've kind of got the whiskey for every occasion you might find yourself. So mm-hmm. if you ask me if I'm sitting by a fire, what whiskey do I want? I don't know. It'd be completely different than if I'm, you know, need a flask full of something while I'm skiing. Yeah, you know. It, so it makes sense. It definitely does. So I got it. These are the these are gonna be the good ones. These are gonna be the challenging questions. Oh. I've got a few. <laughs> got a few more questions for you. But what, so first though, tell me a little bit about the experience you're creating today with the doers piece. Sure. Yeah. So we call these our rambles. Mm. Tommy Dewar is kind of who we take all our cues for when we talk about kind of our experiential approach. Um, and Tommy Dewar was a son that joined the company. John Dewar had two sons. John Alexander kind of built the Aberfeldy Distillery, ran the day-to-day operations of the sales, kind of the, mm. the grow it at home business. Yeah. Tommy was like, I need to go see the world. I need to go see the world. We need to take this liquid that we're making. We need to get it to the hands. We need to get it sold. And he went on this two-year sales trip around the world, and he appointed a bunch of salespeople and, and uh, really created quite a bit of buzz. Tommy was the kind of guy that walked in the room and you knew it. You know, you knew he was there. It was a big energy that yeah. was in the room. And he wrote a book called My Ramble Around the Globe. And this was kind of just about his travels. It really wasn't so much about whiskey. It was more about the people he met. Um, Tommy was the kind of guy, I, I describe him as the kind of guy that could afford the black car, but he mm-hmm. took the train car. You know what I mean? Like he Seems just wanted- like a little bit of a parallel here. Yeah, 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 for sure. See that? No, yeah. Honestly, like this guy, I, I mean, if there's a GQ magazine back then, this guy would have been on the cover. It, you yeah. know? I mean, he really is a good role model, no doubt about it. And uh, it's kind of funny because I feel, like I said, I kind of feel, like I said earlier, I kind of feel like it's a kindred Tommy. spirit. Yeah, a kindred spirit. Um, so we kind of take that cue. It's like, all right, what's the ramble? You know, what, you know, when we talk a bit about every city's got something really unique about it, it takes yeah. you the right person to show you around, is that's the approach. You know, the approach is let's see what's cool about these different cities what's unique about these cities and let's dive into it and you know we're gonna go learn about how to make boots mm. uh oh, we're cool. gonna go we're gonna help uh yeah, yeah of course you can more the merrier is the way that we yeah, look yeah. at it. you know it doesn't necessarily have to be somebody that's a bartender that joins these things it is just hey do you guys want to go you you know visit some new things and along the way you know we're going to boots we're gonna go learn about all the neon signs here things like that yeah. so Dwayne really created the goal being to create a ramble if you will around the city to dive into what makes austin austin wow you know, so yeah, that was really, really cool. kind of the idea. You know, yesterday, even I was kind of I was thinking, man, there'd be a nice addition to this trip. What I want to do, like, think of it like just unique experiences that like we talk about. You know, people paddleboarding. Mm-hmm. I would love to come back here sometime and take ten paddleboards and do a whiskey tasting on paddleboards in the middle of the Colorado River. But it'd be amazing. And you, you fall, see. it doesn't hurt because it's not very not very deep. Yeah, there, just so. don't spill your whiskey. Yeah, you know yeah exactly. I'll <laughs> so, follow it. The, the, the whole point being, you know, Dwayne, Dwayne was like, let's create something unique locally yeah. that 
is just Austin that folks will remember doing with us, not necessarily about us. And along the way, we'll be walking. So it's not a bar crawl. It's just yeah. storytelling while taking in the city and sharing good whiskey. And Again, creating an experience. Do. Yeah, creating an experience. It's good. I mean, it's robust and it's different. It's like a different, and you're not pitching me, but it is a different pitch. It's a different paradigm about how to like get the brand into new lips. Exactly, know? exactly. Again, it's just like how do we remove the stuffiness out of the classroom kind of style of yeah. approach? And experience things together, you know, make friends. Because ultimately, I'm, I want to be friends with these folks anyway. Mm. Um, and let's go make friends that way. That's you know incredible. I mean? So I think for us, it really works. It's something that folks enjoy doing anyway. you cut it, whether it's with whiskey or without. Yeah. It's just experiencing things together. Which is, Jesus, you just gave me the perfect segue into the next question. I didn't realize it would be that perfect. It's the best. So we're going to have to start doing <laughs> this together, I think. So you travel all of the time. How often do you get to bring your lovely partner along with you whenever possible yeah. i mean whatever what we, we've done a number of different things um really whenever the schedule's aligned that, that's kind of the tough part right is mm. you know traveling 40 weeks but at the same time you have the opportunity to experience really unique things together so you know we went to a lantern festival out in you ever seen the sky lantern uh-huh yeah sure that was incendiary that was pretty wild out in vegas so there's there's opportunity to do it when there's like all right i've got three days and yeah. schedules align, we could pull it off. And this was one that really worked out well. Although we didn't really do a whole lot. But it's almost, but if you're gone so much, it's almost just like, oh, you, or rather like there's any given night in Austin, there's amazing things going on, right? But if I've only got to see my wife once a week, I right. just want to hang out and like spend time together. Yeah. Just being next to each other. So if you're traveling so much, does it help the closeness? Does it help the stability of the relationship? Jeez, these are tough questions. Is it? I, w- I don't know, honestly. Yeah. Like, I, don't, I don't know if it, if it helps or anything. I mean, look, I think uh, absence only grows the heart fonder in yeah, some sure. cases, but sometimes it doesn't. You know, I yeah. mean, it's uh, distance is tough any way you cut it. You know, yeah, I used yeah. to tell people years ago, look, it's an amazing job, but no plants, no pets, no girlfriend. Yeah. You know, that was like kind of it's like, like being on tour, man. It's, you're on tour. You're, yeah. on, you're on the road and, and you're gone. And I mean, these days communicating is a lot easier, sure. you know, so it does help. But uh, it's fun. You get to experience things together and you know, there's still a challenge to it. But. Yeah. Well, I would expect there would it's be. It's funny. So. I mean, look, there's a ton of people in my, in my shoes that have wives, that yeah. have kids, that have just families. I mean, you know some of the other ambassadors Absolutely. for other whiskeys, and, and they've got a whole life outside of the travel that they do. And, and pat them on the back, because yeah. I, I just don't know how they do it. I, I think I always used to say, like, one of my biggest fears was falling in love, because it would take me away from this. Oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? But then I guess you learn at some point that it, you can have both. That's what happens when you get right. older. You know? Yeah, that's what happens when you get older. You don't really think you're sacrificing things because you can make more. You can make more calls. Like you can set some of the parameters yourself because mm-hmm. you build this career. No doubt. Yeah, I definitely think it's doable. Yeah, I don't think a lot of folks believe that it is. But no, but it's all up here. And it's yeah. just if you want it to work well. Well, so two last questions. And is I want to know what you find interesting, right? So this is the thing, and maybe that I know the answer to this question already. But so you've got. Your favorite doers, let's say doers 18, you're at your favorite bar in the world. You can have a cocktail, you can have a sip with anybody living or deceased. Who would you love just to have a conversation with at that bar? Oh, man, there's so many people. Um, I enjoy reading quite a bit. Um, I think like a a Jack Kerouac or like an Ernest Hemingway would be an interesting conversation to have with folks. that's like that old question, you know, if you're stranded on an island, what would you drink, what would you eat, and who would you bring, dead or right. alive type thing. It is, absolutely. Um, 
yeah, but, it, yeah. but that changes too. You know what I mean? Like the albums Hunter you Thompson would grab would you? Oh shit! Yeah, yeah. I used to say Hunter Thompson a lot. Yeah, just because that guy was wild and his writing was incredible. Um, but it's really hard. I guess it would, again, it would kind of depend on my mood. You yeah. know what I mean? Who exactly oh, yeah. I'd want to talk to? What was the second part of that? Just, just that. Just who? Who would it be? What's your answer? Fuck, man! No one's asking that. Um, <laughs> I can't. I'd have to think about it. Right. Exactly. I'm, yeah. No, I know it. I've been in the, this has been reversed once. So I have had somebody go through and like do this shit to me, right? I thought you were going to be able to fire one off right <laughs> No, away. I mean, there's so many people. You could say Hemingway, but it's like, he would just get, I just get in a fight with him. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. But that's, that's, but that's the story. I sure. But I don't want to get, I want to, I want to get fucking really drunk with a guy who's worldly. So like Richard Burton, right? Some that's of the classic, or Lee Marvin, like these old, like classic guys that, they represent this masculinity, but in a very, very balanced and respectable way. Like modern masculinity, and this is a hell of a tangent, but that's a different thing. And it's not yeah. based in chivalry. It's based in men doing whatever the fuck they want. This is a bad precedent set by the current legislation. But Lee Marvin wouldn't do that. He just drinks so now and he's me, Now you're leading me like maybe that, like, what's his name? Like David Richard Ackenbacher, that guy that does the, Wait, the Planet Earth narrator? Oh, Richard. A- oh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Attenborough? Attenborough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that, yeah, he'd be cool. He'd be a really good one. I, I just can hear him say anything. <laughs> <laughs> I could hear him say, what's your answer? Do you have one? No, it's no, a tough yeah. one. It it's is. Tough. Everybody wants to hang out with Bill Murray, though. That's for sure. Oh, that's good. It's a great one, but he doesn't want to hang yeah, out with I mean, anybody. Look, again, it kind of depends on your mood. Like, I yeah. might even say Tupac sometimes. You know, That'd be but. good. <laughs> Interesting. I, I don't know. Yeah, I wonder how that would go. Brian Wilson be weird. Anyway, there's so many different. I just things. read his book. Oh, I'm in the middle of reading his book. That guy was wild. He's really strange. Really strange. It's amazing though. He, the voices in his head are old musicians. So he's schizophrenic. Yeah. But he's got mus- actual old musicians in his head telling him things sometimes. God damn, the perfect band, perfect arrangement that's Pretty not wild. there that is there. Yeah, Jesus. Well, so I can't <clears throat> actually. I, I can't even infer. I don't know what the answer to this last question would be. But you've done a lot of great things in different pieces of this industry. I get a real clear sense of your business perspective and your paradigm on creating an experience for people to connect them with things. It doesn't necessarily have to be a brand, but connecting, connecting with each other, connecting with places, time, et cetera. So you're in your 40s. You're not in your 40s. But when you are in your 40s, let's say, where do you go from here? What's going to be big enough for you? Your own distillery? Your own company? It so I should tell you I never shut up about like coffee shops. Yeah, I it's not necessarily the coffee that I that I like about coffee shops. I, li- I like coffee. Mm-hmm. I, I what my vision, my perfect vision, if I were to close my eyes and picture what I'd be doing ten years from now, would be probably on like a little beach town, and I'd have the coffee. Like people would smell the coffee, you know, as they'd wake up, and they knew that the shop was open, and it'd be open and airy. There'd be records on the wall that I would play, mm-hmm. just records. Or anybody could play a record, like from just my collection, and I would just be there, kind of greeting folks, chatting folks, you know, over coffee, and just like checking out how their day are, like the day is, and just being that kind of like local ambassador, I guess, yeah. of the community, um, and kind of having your own, you know, your own business to kind of manage that, and kind of letting it be this, hopefully, the kind of like the go-to spot for folks locally. Yeah. I guess what I ultimately envision myself doing is 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 bridging the gap somehow between. Kind of like great conversations and in, in you know business of some sort, yeah. but tying in you know good music, you know good atmosphere, tying in all of it, right? That, yeah, that kind of stuff, and really kind of kind of having a place to kind of where people go to share the stories. You know, I think that's kind of how I, I, like I envision that. it. 
professionally though um you know the evolution of being an ambassador you know is 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 just that you know do do i stay a whiskey ambassador or mm. do i take the skills that i learned as an ambassador to you know, help other folks become passionate about being an ambassador yeah because uh, being an ambassador isn't just about representing a brand about living it you know taking the things that you believe in about the brand and applying it to different kind of audiences so yeah. Um, I ultimately would like to see myself in my own shoes where maybe it is my own whiskey, you know, which is quite difficult to do, yeah, but, yeah. uh, or maybe it's just my own coffee shop, those types of stuff. But ultimately just having something like utterly authentic, that's mine that I own that I can just share. Makes, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Though. But it's tough, right? It's like, yeah. you know, I, I'm, I've never really quite been one to think 10 years down the road. Me uh, neither. I, yeah. It's yeah. a long ways. It's yeah. a long ways or even five years in some cases, you know what I mean? I'm just like, this is what I'm doing right now. I really love it. Like, I'm, I like to live pretty spontaneously, you know, yeah. but uh, probably at 35, I should maybe have a plan. <laughs> I've got that, a little bit of a plan. It doesn't seem like it's worked out poorly. So No, exactly. Like, the trajectory's been, been fun great. Ride so far, I'm just kind of riding this wave right now. Yeah, it's brilliant, mate. So, Gabe, thanks on the, the wonderful kindness of Benjamin Carlotto that he could introduce to us and that you can come in here and kind of sip some coffee. And ben set this up? Yeah, dude. Really? Yeah. Oh, man, I owe that guy Killer a big guy. hug. He's yeah. amazing. Amazing guy. So I'm a big motorcycle guy. Yeah, and he makes some beautiful bikes. Yeah, you ever seen some of these bikes that. he makes? No, I haven't seen. I I just met him last week, and I hope that we keep in touch. And oh, he's incredible. More. Stay in touch with that guy. Yeah, for he's sure. Really, really a nice presence. But again, just a testament to how cool this industry is, right? And how everybody, cool people beget cool people. Yeah, well said. I like totally that. Does, yeah, he certainly is one of them. Yeah, it's great. Likewise, so, man. This has just been a lot of fun. This is. This is like the stuff that I love, you know, yeah. like if people yeah. can kind of just see us chatting here because while there's a microphone in front of our face, feel like it's it. just having coffee with a friend. That's right, too. You know what I mean? It's been brilliant. So thanks so much for joining me and I can't wait to see what you're up to next. Cheers. Thanks. thanks. Well, there we have it. Gabe Cartarella representing the Whiskies of Bacardi, talking a bit about doers, talking a bit about jackass. I think that's something that's kind of riveting to me is that hanging out with those dudes in Mexico, I'm surprised that Gabe made it out alive has a predilection towards being a tour manager, so it's not a huge surprise that he's touring the United States 40 weeks out of the year. I mean, it's an insane amount of time, and the guy is driven. It was really great getting to know him, and I thank this industry for being so hospitable and introducing me to these great people. So, Gabe, thanks so much for sitting down and chatting with me. So thanks, everybody, for listening to Show to V with Mike G. No matter how much you enjoy playing bass after having not played bass for a few months, or if you really think these musical interludes that are in this podcast are really worth a damn, please keep thinking.